Welcome to season three of the Lifestyle Chase, and I'm your host, Chris Little. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. To help this podcast grow, please share it on social media, rate five stars, tell your friends, and check out the past 140 episodes and counting. You can follow me on Instagram at Christian Little and at The Lifestyle Chase. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. All right, so welcome to The Lifestyle Chase. I am joined by a non-fitness guest this time. Her name is Carmen Choney. This is episode 193 of The Lifestyle Chase. And how are you doing today? I'm good. I like that setup. That's like she's non-fitness. Don't expect anything goal or fitness oriented from her. She is not in it. Well, I mean, I had to clarify just because people will get used to me interviewing like trainers and personal development people. And the reason that I kind of change up the the guest list so frequently is that I want people to get used to seeing the value in other people's life experiences and how they can kind of transpose it to their own career. Like I have learned so much from people outside of the fitness industry in ways that have helped me both in my personal life and professional life. Um, And when I was chatting with our mutual friend, Dean Guido, I was like, Dean, who should I get on the podcast? And without any hesitation, he he plugged your name. And so shout out to Dean. Um, He's probably been one of the people who've gotten the most shout outs on this show. So anybody (laughs) who isn't following Dean Guido should go check him out at Guido Power. But with all that, especially right now, he's on a meme track. (laughs) You can't keep up with his memes right now. So that's worth it alone. He's he's on fire. Um, How how are you doing today? Like, uh, how how is your week going? I'm good. I'm going to tell you today. I've got a hoarse throat. I've got a few less lashes. I'm coming out of a weekend. uh, I was doing the um, Together Again series at the Northlands track. And we had two nights of comedy and night of rock fest and so uh, I'm a little disheveled today and trying to catch my breath but uh yeah I'm happy I'm happy a I'm happy to be working b I'm happy to be at home sleeping in my own bed at night uh and still get painting to work so that's there's there's some nice nice feelings in there but I'm good I'm really happy to be here thanks for having me well, I mean, even just watching your Instagram stories leading up to this, I was like, oh, she's going to be tired. Like, <laughs> I was like, I felt honored that you made time for, for the show today. Um, for anybody who has never met you or doesn't know who you are, how would you introduce yourself at a party? Like, how, how do you casually introduce yourself and what you do and who you're all about kind of thing? Uh, well, I usually walk in dancing and making a scene, first of all, so they have to take notice. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I've been on the road for... Um, twin, over 20 years, let's go with over 20 years in the role of tour manager. I've done merchandise, uh, day-to-day management, some publicity. I've worked in the music business pretty much since I was 18. I came out of school and went straight, actually even while I was in university I was doing music, but went straight into life on the road. Uh, so yeah, I've been on the road up until last year, full-time pretty much. And uh, I do everything from stage managing certain events to uh, tour managing Jess Mosk, Luke, and the Hunter Brothers, and a few other artists from from time to time. So, 
Yeah, I'm. I'm a. I live on the road. I I live fast. My mom told me not to marry a trucker, but she didn't tell me not to be one. And I pretty much think that's what I am. I have a suitcase always packed and ready to go because you never know when the next show is coming, especially this day and age. I mean, with the amount of perspective that this last year of like quiet would have given you, like, what were the things that kind of stood out to you as as you were kind of forced to reflect or forced to be introspective, kind of thing. It was tough. I mean, it was tough for everybody. I don't think anybody came out of this pandemic being like, I'm a better person. I feel better about myself. I know what I want to do in my life. We're all just kind of like PTSDing and out of it a little bit, deciding what we should do or what we shouldn't do. And uh, I, I think that what I, my lines are the whole thing was, hey, I've never been through a pandemic before. I, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to react. I don't know how I'm going to be on the other end of it. And I was pretty honest in that, but I don't think I really understood my own self until we were coming out of it. Because at the beginning of it, you're still thinking like, okay, we were going home for two weeks. We had just started a, a big tour with Gore Bamford. And uh, you know, we, we made it three shows into what would have been over 70 shows. So we were hoping that we're gonna go, we're gonna go home for two weeks and we're gonna kick this thing and go back out. And then you, know, you go home for your two weeks and you start cleaning your house like everybody has big plans for and talking about all the things you're gonna renovate and learn. And I had all that signed up for guitar lessons that I never took one of. All those kind of things that I thought were gonna be great. And I just realized that there was a loss of identity. There's, I, I know how to be busy. I know how to plan my days, you know, back to back. I, I get all that. What I don't know how to do is have downtime and be home. And it would be different if I could be downtime at home and be able to do all the things that I'd never done. I'd never been able, I'd never been home a summer of my adult life to be able to go to the lake and go to weddings and funerals and different occasions. I've never been home to do that. But this was the year that I could be at home, but I couldn't do anything anyways. So that was tough. I'm a social person. I like to go. I like to, you know, bop around and see different people and I'll, I'll go on a whim and go to BAMP for the weekend or whatever the case is. And, and the loss of freedom really became a loss of identity for me. I like to look ahead. I like to look at, you know, as a tour manager, I'm always looking at numbers. So I'm not looking if it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm looking at the 17th, 18th, and 19th. I know where we're going to be. So not having that end game, having that end point of when this ends and we start again was, was soul sucking. And I, I think even coming out of it, I myself became apprehensive to like, I don't want to get excited because that show's going to come and it's going to go away because that happened many times. Oh, no, no, it's coming. It's coming. It's fine. And even until we we're, you know, getting to it, you're like, is this actually going to happen? I, I still feel like that, to be completely honest. I'm, you know, now that we're back in the in the kind of environment that we are, I'm still kind of waiting for that other uh, that other moment of like, we're going home again. And that's, yeah, that's hard. And then uh, the other side of that is like, because I've been doing so long, I always thought, well, what, what would I do if I came off the road? Because I, I love the road. I'm not done with the road. A lot of people this year came off the road, you know, obviously forced off the road. I was like, I don't know if I want to go back. And I was like, I want to go back faster and more and like do all of the things all the time. It was the opposite for me. I was ready to go back. But there's, you know, the trying to decide, well, if I, if we can't, if this is not, th not real anymore, how, how do we survive? Like, what are you going to go into? And up until now, I thought, well, I'll come off the road and I'll go into travel because I, I know how to book flights. I know where the, you know, the fancy little places. I love like the non-touristy places about a town. I love finding those in the coffee shops and the, you know, the egg rolls at a certain place. I love that kind of thing. So I thought, well, that'd be fine. I would go into that, but I would still not be working. So yeah, definitely screwed with my mind. I'm not, not going to lie with that, but 
feel, feels better now, but it doesn't feel back to normal. There's what's normal about this. There's nothing normal about our lives right now. And every day something changes. Everything about that was so relatable. Like, I don't know if any other uh, person that does the work that I do would feel the same way I did, but just like the loss of identity and just the whole like no end goal. Like, honestly, if if I'm being totally transparent, I started seeing like a, a counselor or like a therapist after the, the pandemic because I lost a big sense of purpose and I, it just, it got in my head and it just stacked on and on and on. But having done that, it's like, Oh man, like this is, this is very handy. Like I often have a lot of stuff in my head and to be able to, um, break that down into like bite-sized pieces and just attack these little things and sort of how you reflected on, like maybe you'd go into travel and how you could articulate the reasons why was was really cool and something that uh that gets my attention with your career path is the amount of like awareness of other people that you would have to have you're managing high performers like people who have to be at their best game um night after night after night who often like there, there is such a, um, whenever I'm looking at like an artist or someone who's performing or somebody who's in the public eye night after night, like it impacts them. And then you managing them, you kind of have to like call them out on their shit sort of thing. So can you reflect on a time when that's sort of happened? Yeah, that happens often. And to be completely like transparent with you, I, I don't know when it happens. I don't have any sense of when I'm reaching my my tipping point. I don't know. I was at uh, a stage managed Big Valley Jamboree in Camrose. Now, a few years ago, we'd made it through the weekend and there's always a storm. We never get through Camrose without some kind of weather. And uh, I was there when, when the stage fell in 2009. So weather is, is sensitive to, to anybody that was there for that. So we're, we're always heightened for that. And it had just been a weekend. And on the Monday afterwards, I was packing up my stuff to go home and I went to see my girlfriend in the merch booth and I was like, God, I just don't feel good. Like shoulders hurt, my back hurts, so like the tight chest. And she's kind of looking at me and her eyes are getting bigger and bigger. She's like, are you having a heart attack? And I was like, no, I'm just tired. And then like, look at the size of my calves. I'm clearly dehydrated. She's like, no, Tony, I, I think something's going on. I was like, I'm fine. And then she's like, you know, here's going to be your test. She handed me a big Gatorade and she said, drink this and see what you feel like at the end of it. And I'm standing with her and I drank the Gatorade and I, like a two-year-old, turned around and projectile vomited, like six feet. Like it just came out of me and I was like, ooh, something's not right. And so my other girl from backstage said, you know what, I think you should go checked out. I said, well, I'm not going to go to the hospital on cameras and get stuck here for four days. So dummy over here drove back to the city, phoned my sister-in-law on the way and said, I'm not panicking. I just need you to stay on the phone with me until I get to the hospital. Like, I think I might be having a heart attack. And she's like, you think you might be having a, like, this is a casual, like pull over and call an ambulance. It's like, no, no, I'm, I'm okay. And anyways, long story short, went to the hospital and put me through, you know, all the tests and heart, my heart was fine. It was nothing, nothing to do with that. Uh, but it was, it was exhaustion. And I had no idea what exhaustion felt like. I didn't know that that was, that you can make it all this way and looking back how many signs there had been until I was like, oh no, I can't move my body and uh, nothing will stay down. That I was like, okay, someone else had to be like, no, this isn't right. That's, that happens often. Like my doctor said, you know, 
not too long ago, I've got really bad sinuses. And so he was talking about stuff and I had another sinus infection. He said, you know, do you live a high stress life? This is pre-pandemic. And I said, well, I don't think so, but I'm sure everybody else that looks at my life would say so. He said, so I'm going to ask your question again. Do you live a high stress life? I guess I got to admit, yes, yes. Like it's a, that's to me, that's like a fault and it shouldn't be. That should be a very real thing is like, I know I'm responsible for, you know, in that case, a stage and everybody getting on and off on time and safely and having all of their gear. And then on the road, there's nine of us that travel. There's nine of us that fly. We all have gear. We all have transportation issues. We all have, we all have all those things to, to do, to deal with and to get, to make sure, you know, line up so that we can all be in the same place at the same time. And I don't realize until after it's done what I've taken on myself because it's easier for me to do it than to tell someone else or teach someone else. I get that. I understand that I should ask for help, but like that ask is worse than actually just doing it myself. And that makes sense with that in mind. Like, do you find that you're better or more in tune with when somebody else is like just completely exhausted than when you are exhausted? Like, are you better at managing someone else's uh, well? A hundred percent. Yeah. I can, I recognize it instantly. You know, I'm, I carry, oh, I wish I had it beside me. I carry a very big purse. They call it the pharmacy because it has everything in it. Like it's almost this game now. Like, let's see, does she have this in her purse? Does she have this in her purse? I've got like Ziplocs that like just stack in together of, of things. So no, it's, uh, I like that. I like to recognize that in other people and, and try and help the solution, but not in myself. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I ever have. Like if I look back even before I started working, like in high school and in, you know, before that, I, I, I don't know I had that ability to do that in myself. Easy for me to recognize it in someone else and try to bring them back. But I, I, I don't know if that's been a, you know, self-awareness thing for me ever. Well, Trying to be better. That, not, that's not a great common thing within like the, within the fitness industry or any industry where you're working with people. It could be like a, a manager in a business or something where you're trying to like, make sure everything runs as it should or where you need to kind of guide people to their outcome. Like you, you have a role in, in that whole process. Um, so with everything that you've had to kind of like take care of people with, like what, what was the thing that challenged you the most? Like when you're keeping an eye on people, keeping an eye on your performers or your colleagues. And you're like, okay, like, I think you're worn out. What was the moment that you're like, holy crap, like this, this is a problem kind of thing. That's a really good question. Uh, I don't, I, I don't, to be completely honest, I don't know. I, I have, I'm good cop, bad cop. So I'm always aware. That's, that's my job is to be aware of what's going on. So I never let it get, I hope I don't get, I, I should say that first of all, I hope I don't let it get to that point where I don't see it coming. Um, but I'm, I'm always putting out the small fires. I'm like, I'm trying to, to fix them before it happens. I'm trying to smooth them out before it happens. And I get more fulfillment in helping it not happen than opposed to fixing it when it does. So I, I, that's, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can honestly answer that happening you know, happening after the fact that that's, that comes to top of mind, because I, like I said, I, I'm always just kind of thinking ahead, the, you know, 
wait, waiting for it to happen. And I'm your best friend until you screw with one of my artists or you screw with one of my stagehands or whatever the case is, then I'll, then I'll cut a bitch. Like I, it's just what it is because you know, you, that's your family. When, when you're in, whether you're on the road, th this is very much like the gym when you're on the road or where you're on a stage, those people are your family. They are your safety net there. I stay in my lane, you stay in your lane and nobody gets a weight dropped on their foot. Basically, we, we're all the same brain. If, if I'm doing my job and I'm making sure that everything on that stage is set up and looks great, then I'm helping them to have a show that doesn't fail. Or if I'm on stage and I'm making sure that a microphone is turned on, which yesterday I forgot about, sorry, Lars, uh, things like that, those little things that seem trivial, that's what I'm preparing for at all times. Or that there's a towel or a bottle of water so that someone is not in the middle of a song going <coughs> and not being able to turn around and clear their throat. Again, no different than making sure there's a safety and a safety on and that that, that weight is not going to injure somebody. You know, your, your voice is an injury. Like you, what you can do to your voice is equally as harming as what you, pardon me, your voice is a muscle that you can injure equally as you would at the gym. So, you know, always thinking that in mind is I'm trying to be one step ahead so that we don't get into part where we have to take action afterwards. Well, it's long, uh, you know, like if, if things happen in our world, you, you, you don't bounce back as easy. So trying to stay ahead of it is, is hard. It's cool to hear that answer and know from like having done the research ahead of this episode, I could see everything that talked about your career talked about like the length of the career. Like you talked about how you've been on the road for basically like two decades and like that, that is a long career. Like you look at any other industry and sometimes people have a hard time surpassing like five years or three years or 10 years. Um, so there's a lesson to be taken away from that in just the, the structure that you have in place or the things that you prepare with can help you um, make it the long the long haul kind of thing. Like it's a marathon, not a sprint. I think I've said that like 30 times in the last, <laughs> but it's, it's such a common expression, like such a valuable expression to kind of get people into the right headspace. Um, you talked about your, uh, large bag. That's kind of like your mobile pharmacy. Like when, when did that begin? What was the first moment where you realized that was a necessity? Always. I've always had a big bag. Like growing up, I, you know, little, the girls had like the fanny packs and the little ones I had, you know, a bag that I would get from a perfume. Like when you buy perfume and they give you a travel bag, that was my purse. Like even going to, to high school, my purse was my backpack. Like that, they were always together. So it's got progressively bigger and bigger. And then it was like, well, no, I'll just, I would carry it in my, my work box. And by the time you take it from your work spot, I'll just throw it in my purse because we're going to need that. Or on the plane, we might need this. Or what if something goes missing, we'll need it. So that answer is easy for me. It's always been like that. It's just now at the point where now it's excessive. And I'm aware of that, that I now carry, instead of carrying a pack of gum, I carry mint and juicy fruit in case someone doesn't like mint or someone doesn't like juicy fruit. Like I have too many things in there of, of versions or lip glosses. I have a matte and a glossy finish because you never know who, who wants what. Like, it's ridiculous. It's it's out of control and it needs to be stopped. And that if you know someone who can uh, intervent for that, I need an intervention. I need someone like Toomey. If Toomey wants to sponsor me and give me something that has more organization, I'm all in. Help me with that. That's awesome. Um, I have actually had uh, a minimalist that is 
uh, has been on my show. And if you go to Instagram, just follow Practically Minimal. Um, that but, scares me. That gives me a little bit of anxiety. Like, oh, okay, I'll get rid of that. Like, I hang on to everything. And my girlfriends will tell you that it is a joke. Like, that's one thing I did during the pandemic was went through some old uh, of my storage or went through some old like Rubbermaid bins that I had from from like junior high with like handwritten notes that I've shared with people and and like I have everything I save everything not in the hoarding way but in the the packing in Rubbermaid kind of way so yeah that minimalist thing it's, it's not good over here that would be tough but with everything that you've had in the bag what has come the most clutch in like a, a pressing situation what was somebody like holy crap you have one of those wet naps and that sounds so stupid and I was on a plane and I had a lady beside me and she had kids and things were going on and I leaned in my bag and I know exactly where that is in my bag and I reached in and had her a wet nap and she's like are you a mom and I was like no I'm a tour manager she goes same thing <laughs> that was very handy I mean little things all the time I have more sharpies than I know what to do with that's all I always tell people that it's like you always need a sharpie not not just if you're famous and signing autographs but you always need a sharpie that's one thing that comes in and play but um i have oh no i've i've got everything in there i can't even tell you what's the the you know it, i've never lost here's here's the thing i've never lost you know what uh, you maybe don't know this as a man but uh, baby showers there's this game where like if you can pull this out of your purse you get a point i've never lost that game never ne never and like the things that kind of be in there like oh you know do you have a well i don't even know how to say it like do you have a stone or something and i always pull out like, i carry a rock that um, you know, if you, if you have salt, that's not good salt. It balances your salt out. Or if you like, if you're at airport at an airport and you're going through the metal detectors, it takes out the metals of that. Like I have that in my purse. So I have, I have three kinds of allergy pills. I have, you know, Advil and Tylenol and ibuprofen and the, all, all of the things. So holy crap! But I think wet naps. Wet naps is definitely the the one that gets used the most for sure. Well, you talked about Sharpies and it kind of got me thinking, like, I know why I would carry a Sharpie. Like, oftentimes I walk around and I have a pen or something in my car or with me because it's like I have to write down notes when I think of things or when I think of just a website that I want to like bookmark or something. I'm not on a device. But what is the value of Sharpies when, when you're kind of uh, reflecting on that? Well, it, it just, they always come neat. Look, look, think about going to the grocery store and you think, oh, I've got to remember that for the next time. And you're looking for a pen. You can't find a pen, but you can find a sharp. A sharp is easy. You know what a sharpie feels like. You, if you're reaching in, you know, in your pocket or in your jacket or whatever, you know what a sharpie feels like. It's there. It's instant. You have it. You go outside. You're going to a wedding, and you notice on your black shoes that there is a big scuff. You've kicked the tires. You've gone out. You sharpie that shit. You get that done. Like it is your. It is your best friend. You never know. When you get to a wedding and there's a table marking and you brought the wrong guest and you have to scratch out that name, wouldn't be able to do that without Sharpie. Love it. So with you going on so many tours and being kind of like sort of on stage behind the scenes, just seeing so many different perspectives that many people don't have the opportunity to see, I can imagine like you must have seen things along your tour. And the first thing I'm thinking about is like, if I am on a stage and I'm looking out at the audience, sometimes you see an audience member that stands out or something like that. What, what is an instance where that's happened? That's really stood out to you. I'm trying to keep this clean, but I've seen some stuff. Let's just put that. I've seen stuff against the railing at the front of the stage 
no, no cares who saw it, no cares, nothing. Literally on the rail in front of the artist. That's no, nuts. But, yeah. I, and the worst part, Christian, is I've seen that more than once. It's like things like that. But I've also been able to stop fights that I see happening. You know, you see, you see something happening off to the side and you're like, mm, that's about to happen. Well, then I'm able to tell, I'm, I'm always looking for it. So when, you know, Big Valley is a great example for that. When someone says, have a great weekend, I was like, your great weekend and my great weekend are very different because I'm looking outwards and you're looking upwards. So you're looking at what's happening up here and all the time. And I'm looking the other way to see not only what the entertainers are seeing, but also what security is seeing. Also, you know, what Josh Clausen is seeing when he's looking for weather, like those kind of things. I'm looking out all the time. We're watching the storms come in as it's, 35 and hot and we can see that one cell coming directly at us that's what you know i'm looking to come in but uh the yeah definitely the the dirty things are more memorable but my own cousin happened to have one of those not the dirty moments let me start time out now not the dirty moments but he'd come to the front of the stage at a, at a big valley show and i was watching him walk down and he might have had a few budweiser's and then walked down and he got to the very front and he didn't realize that he had stopped to stand in front of his mom and my mom, who are sisters. And I, what, from my position, was able to watch the whole thing happen. Security tried to tell him to sit down. His mom tapped him on the shoulder, him hug his mom and try to dance with her and then sit down in the first place. But moments like that, that, you know, it's, I, well, that was funny in my case because it happened to me, my own family. But things like that, like you're like, someone comes mad. They're so mad until they get to the front of the stage and they see the, their best friend over there and everything changes. Like those those are fun, fun moments for me. However, I've also had, um, here's a good story. I, I don't know why today everything's about Big Valley, but it's top of mind. Um, I had a guy come backstage one time and secure, we had Jason Aldean on stage and security came over and they're like, this guy is back here and he's, he's saying he's Jason Aldean's brother. And I was like, let me add him. Like, this is fun. I love that. Let's start by saying, I love that. If there is a challenge, Anybody that drops my name to me, oh, well, Carmen said to come. Carmen said this. It's like, okay, just give me the story. I want to hear everything. Because I promise you, if there's a story to be told, I've heard it. And if there's an excuse to be given, I, I've stored it in my memory. So this guy, I said, I said, point him out. So I went over to him and I said, so I hear you're Jason's brother. He said, yeah. And I said, oh, um, okay. Um, so like, are you hoping to see him? He's like, yeah. He told me I could be up here until he gets here. And I said, oh, yeah, I said, because he flew in last night, right? He's like, yeah. And I said, oh, he flew in last night. So did you, did you meet him for dinner? Oh, yeah, we hung out all night. My, his pat, he had his pass hanging down. And I said, oh, you, you flew in last night. He's like, yeah, did you know our last name's not really LD? And I said, oh, no, no, I didn't know that, which it's not. But, I mean, you know, Wikipedia will tell you that. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to give you one chance to tell me the real story here because Jason's not in town yet. And so I know he wasn't there last night. And I can see by your tan that you were here yesterday. So you want to just tell me where your past came from? And he's like, well, no, it's, he's my brother. And I was like, I got security right behind me. So I'm going to give you one more chance to come clean to the story. He's like, fine. I wanted to use the porter potty backstage. So I, I asked this guy if I could buy his pass so that I could, it can come to pee back here and not pee out there. It's like, you realize you were this close getting kicked off of this site to pee backstage. He's like, yeah, it was worth it. Now react, you know, react of me could have been like, Oh, this guy needs to get out. He stole a pass, whatever. I was entertained. 
I was like, that is that's so stupid and so funny. It could have been bad. It could have been a bad situation, but handling it the way I handled it, it ended up being entertaining for all of us. He gave me the pass back. I told him to go get his 20 bucks back. And the guy that he gave the pass to got reprimanded. And that guy lived happily ever after. Also had guys walk right on stage. We were boots and hearts. And we were standing off to the side of the stage. And my band already had their guitars on stage and everything. And walk this guy, just watch this guy just walk out of the crowd and walked on stage and picked up Justin's guitar and started playing it. And we're all kind of standing there. And we're like, uh, 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 I don't think so. And. So a guy that wasn't really a security that acted like security walked up and just walked towards him. The guy put the guitar back down and ran away. But just like, no, you know, of course I went looking for him to have him removed from the site. He should be removed from the site. But, you know, weird things happen like that all the time. If something weird doesn't happen at a show, it's not a memorable show. We say that in our band is like, you know, if, if a show goes off and nothing goes wrong, it, we don't generally talk about those shows. You know, oh yeah, how was catering? Great. How was transportation? Awesome. How was the hotel? Great. Like we all had our own rooms. Yeah. So and the show was perfect. Great crowd. You know, you're leaving there like, mm, so uh, no, no, we're not gonna. You know, you're you're kind of waiting for those those moments all the time. It's nice. It's refreshing. Those are nice to have. But you know, when when you're watching stuff happen in front of you, or you know, yeah, there's. I have 20 years worth of stories. So obviously there's, there's enough there, but yeah, something's, something's always waiting to happen. Definitely. I mean, with all the travel that you've done, like going to different locations, kind of learning different like tricks, um, where, where do you enjoy going to the most? Like you, you've made the rounds, you've gone around like North America. Like, have you, have you traveled beyond North America to like Europe and stuff? Like, yeah. And uh, we've uh, been really fortunate enough to have a fan base and, uh, and been able to play a few times in Australia, which is a whole different ball game for us. And it's, it's such a trip because the things that are, the songs that are popular here and the songs that are like just specifically the songs that have made just quote unquote famous here, are not the same songs that they have reached there. So going there, you see it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's eyes wide open. Cause you, you don't know what's happening. You're waiting to see like uh, Jess was on stage playing and, you know, she played, we do cheap wine and cigarettes at the end of the, the set generally. And uh, we did uh, save some of that whiskey and the crowd sang every single word. And we're like that song, like what, why that song? But that was the song they got introduced to her with. So it would have been like us getting Keith Urban here and being like, that's his no new song. They got the Canadian there and they were like, well, that's that song. By the time they got to Cheap Wine and Cigarettes, which is an older song, they were like, yeah, this is a great song, but it's just another song. So I love that kind of thing. I love sort of identifying what people love in other places. And you know, Nashville's our home away from home. So we've got a lot of friends and, you know, up until the pandemic, we'd go three or four times a year, if if not more, like... You know, so Jess does all her recordings and uh, most of her writing there. So, you know, you, you sort of see that angle there. But I, for myself, for travel-wise, we uh, we were fortunate to to be become friends with the people of Exuma um, in the Bahamas, the great the great great Exumas, and um, we did a couple shows at the Grand Isle Resort, and it's 
in Emerald Bay. So like the most beautiful water I've ever seen, the most beautiful beaches I've ever seen. And you'd be there for a week and have two shows. And those shows were, you know, just kind of like campfire shows because it's good people and good times and a few punches in there. And yeah, it's, it's stunning. I love, I love Exuma, but I have to be fully admitting that I love Canada. I love, I love touring Canada. I love we were in Tyne Valley PEI a couple of weeks ago, which was awesome. Halifax and, and all of Nova Scotia, even the Blue Rocks. I mean, there's nothing like the East Coast of Canada. I always tell people like, you know, people like to go to Mexico or, or wherever for vacation. Go to, go to our own country because we've got some stunning spots. And then on the other side, you know, and BC has got its own. I'm, I'm a wine girl, so I like to go to wine country and try different stuff there. And even on the islands, got some friends that own a couple places out there that we like to go and have some beverages at. And so uh, I don't have a favorite. I have, I have a favorite at the time, like time Valley is my favorite right now because we were just there a couple of weeks ago. But I think once, you know, we've some very cool middle of nowhere places that have been memorable. So um, I, I like it all. I like, I can find something awesome in each town. Like, like I was saying, I, I like those kind of, you know, mom and pop places and, the hole in the wall coffee shops. Those are our favorite. We're kind of coffee snobs in our band. So to find something that isn't a, a, a chain is a, a good day for us. And they will get all of our business for the entire time that we're there. So we love that. Well, it's super cool the way that you frame that in the sense that like if a person holds one place on like a pedestal kind of thing or just like nowhere else is as good as the one place that they went to enjoyed and enjoyed one time. They're going to miss out on so many other things. It's kind of like uh, great experiences are in our backyard. Like great experiences are not that far away. Great connections could be people that we already know kind of thing. Very similar to the fact that like anybody can be a guest on a podcast. Like everybody has a story. That's something that yeah. I enjoy about uh, Shane Fennessy's show city of champions. Um, just how he, he is much like myself and in fact kind of was one of the inspirations for my podcast back a few years ago in just that he would interview all kinds of people and like pull out the, the stories from those people. I know, like I talked about placentas with Shane. So I, he has the ability to get you to talk about anything. That's for sure. Definitely. I mean, like there are so many like sort of eclectic conversations that he he has but at the same time he he would be le living a very similar life to you being like a a producer in the film industry kind of thing and, and traveling and, and whatnot but one thing that i'm curious about is like when you're booking flights and hotels and all these different things that need to be just so or at a location for certain dates etc what what is the best advice that you have for other people from what you've learned over the past couple of decades? Well, you know that it's changed. It, the, all of it has changed over time. Um, I used to say, you know, book flights on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and not Fridays and Saturdays, but even that changes because prices now change based on availability. And right now airlines suck. Just going to say it. They suck. Every flight we have booked till the end of the year has been changed at least once. Like it's just, you know, I, I, what, what we would have experienced beforehand is very different to what's happening now. But I say uh, loyalty is key. And it doesn't matter if that's a hotel or if that's an airline um, or Air Canada whores for that particular reason. Um, you know, it, it's not the same uh, WestJet feel-good moment, but we fly with three bags at 70 pounds. And for a band, that's priceless. And getting your loyalty up uh, where, where, you know, they, they see your 
your history and, and that you do specifically fly with them or same thing hotels, uh, you know, they always seem like they're out of reach and, and uh, you know, probably high class or I don't even know the right word for that. But like, you know, places like the West End and Fairmont and Fairmont specifically in my case, you know, when, when you're in their family, they're very good to you. And, and that goes a long way when you're booking nine rooms all the time in different places. Yes, that doesn't happen in every town, but, you know, Holiday Inns do and, and those kind of thing and the loyalty to that. You should have, I mean, back in the day, we would have, you know, stacks of cards that we traveled with. And I know Rick Bazoon still does tour manager out of BC he still has his stack but you know you still have you have numbers for everything be part of every loyalty group and get involved in all of that because the membership has its perks as they say and yeah that you can turn that around and you know even hotels.com or or um, hotwire you know any of those that if you use them consistently the, the benefit back to you is is nice so yeah sign up put and if you don't want your email used you know give give Come up with an email that you only have for that. I have, you know, my old Hotmail address. That's what everything is signed to. I forget. And, you know, they, they're like, oh, can I have a reminder notice? And you're like, why, why am I not getting this reminder? You're like, oh, yeah, it's back in my Hotmail. What's, you know, what did I change my password to this time? But, um, you know, that have, have one place that you put all of that to. That's, that's probably my biggest advice. Well, I like that. And it kind of corresponds with the fact that, like, to me, loyalty means so much just with any connection that I have. Like, if I, by nature, am a very loyal person, um, and when I find other people that are the same way, like, that is just money. Like, that is just the, the coolest feeling um, because, like, not all of life is all sunshine and roses. And if you have people that are willing to, like, sit in the shit with you, um, it's going to be a lot easier to navigate whatever is, is ahead of you. Like, um, with regards to that, I can imagine not, not all of your career was sunshine and roses and you needed to have people to sit in the shit with you. Um, who were those people for you? Uh, I am very fortunate that, uh, you know, the music business is a, is a gigantic family and, you know, we're, we're in the good and the bad together. And I, I really do mean that, that, you know, obviously there's competition and there's, you know, there, there's some jealousy and all those things. But in the end, we all have the same bottom, you know, bottom line and, and goals with each other. And I think that when, you know, when, when the sun is shining and you don't hear from people, but you know that they're there and you see them, like it's the rose and the thorn. You know, what's your rose of the day? What's your thorn of the day? When, when the thorns start coming around and poking you harder, that's when you see those, you know, those... Uh, diamonds in the rough the ones that you never thought would be like hey are you okay or like you know the beginning of the pandemic I, I you know I've got to give some shout outs to a few people that they're like you know checking in to be like hey like I know this is the first time you've been home and it wasn't necessarily other managers or other tour managers it was artists it was artists being like we know that you have protected us before so who's protecting you and that that's gone a long way but I you know to say that there's been one person my family is great my family you know, as a whole, I come from a very big family. My immediate family is uh, small. My dad passed away, and so it's just my mom and I. But um, our extended family is is massive. Um, my cousins are like my brothers and sister, and like they're we we're very tight in that. And you know, I feel like earlier in my career, I had to apologize a lot and to be like, "I'm sorry, I'm a bad friend," or "I'm sorry, I'm a bad daughter," or, "I'm sorry for everything." And now it's like, "No, we get it." 
you know, you have to do a zoom call or we know we have to do this. So afterwards, you know, it's, it's, I kind of think that the role that I'm in is a hard one to explain and to understand. It's hard to understand what I do for a living because I do a lot of random things. My business card says a lot of random things on it, but once you understand that, that you go that I, I, I don't have a nine to five to me, like, you know, a, a trade job is easy to understand. You know, that when you go to work at eight or nine o'clock and you come home at five o'clock, when you're at home, you're done. I'm not, my phone is always on and, you know, I get more work done from 10 PM till 2 AM than I do from 10 AM to 2 PM. Like I, I, I work late as opposed to early because there's no one messaging or questions or anything like that. And I'm not saying that that's bad during the day. I'm just saying that my focus time becomes later. So to say that I had one person that backed me up, but you know, I would be inaccurate. I, I would say that I've had my, my life is surrounded by amazing people. And, you know, I've got a pretty great um, circle of girls that are my, you know, my bitches. And I say that in the most way I love a lot of things. I love, I love, love, I love pickles. Like I love smelly candles. I love things, but I bitch my bitches. Like my bitches are like my, my ride or dies. So there's, you know, I, having that in your, in your back pocket to be like, you know, when, when stuff's going down and be like, I just need to not talk about work or I just need to not talk about flights or whatever the case, you know, what happened in your day, they're good to turn it on and turn it off. And I'm pretty grateful for that. And I was definitely grateful for that during the pandemic because when I don't have anything happening in my life, I want to know what happens in everybody else's life to give me the excitement of that. So, you know, my, one of my bitches is, is my, I say my sister-in-law, but it's my cousin's uh, wife and she's got two young ones. And so those, my, my world revolves around those, those small humans. I adore them. So knowing what's happening with them was like, that's what I needed during the, the pandemic. So I'm pretty lucky to have a, ha- have a, a wide, a wide variety of people that support me. So. Well, that's super cool. And even just like how you talked about it and reflecting on how sometimes the support comes from like the most unexpected places and something that I often do that I find to be helpful is just like, I sort of like sit down, reflect and and take an assessment of the people who I have like connected with in the week. And sometimes I like, I catch myself taking people for granted. And so I try and remind myself like, okay, I went for a walk with this person or I got to spend time with this person or I had a really good chat with this person. And then I just like focus on those interactions and reflect on that. It's kind of like uh, sort of manifesting more good interactions kind of thing, like not to be too hippy dippy, but it's just like if your focus is on what you have rather than what you don't have, you're going to have more of that. And I really liked how you talked about the the industry that you're in being sort of like a a big family in the sense that like it's competitive sometimes and people get jealous sometimes but uh you got to look out for each other and i think that's an important um just foundation to have in any kind of like long-term career i look at my podcast as an example of that in the sense that like i have no trouble interviewing a trainer that's in the same gym as me and talking about all of their strengths and all of their good qualities. I have nothing to lose. I'm just going to uh, get to know a connection that is going to make my life better, that could possibly benefit the the lives of like my clients and anybody that listens to my show um, because like th- there's room for everybody kind of thing. And I just think that was an important takeaway that I hope people kind of had sink in. Yeah, it, you're, you're right. 
so true about listening. It, you know, we're so we're so fast. We live in a, such a fast life. Our life is go, go, go. All of us, everyone. You know, we don't live like our grandparents did. We don't take Sundays off. We don't spend evenings around the table together and watching the news. Like our lives are very fast. And it's easy to have a story and tell a story, have a story, tell a story, have a story. Taking that extra second to listen and hear it and absorb it, it goes so far. I think that people are really missing and people want more than anything is to be acknowledged, whether it's good or bad. I'm, I, I'm all about owning shit. So like, uh, you know, you have a screw up, own it. You'll feel better and I'll feel better and we will move on and we will never talk about it again. But if neither, if you don't own it and I know you've done it and I'm just going to keep feeling it until you do or vice versa, it's, it's like a, it's that pit in your stomach that you just can't do. So when you're owning something and you're listening and you're appreciating and telling somebody that you appreciate them, I try to do that. Not, you know, again, life is busy and you get to it. But in the moment when something does, someone does something that you appreciate, or even after the moment, you know, you think of something you said, I had that happen yesterday. I thought something I was like, oh, that in the moment that felt funny and that felt like a time, but that may not have felt like that. Taking that step and being like, hey, I didn't mean that to come across as, you know, ungrateful or, or crude, but, and, you know, that person being like, wow, I never even thought of that. Having that exchange and acknowledging that that motion, that emotion that someone's feeling is real. I think that we don't always allow ourselves to have those emotions of, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm famous for if, you know, if you're having a bad day, something traumatic is happening, feel it, be mad, be, be sad, be all of those things, but give yourself an end zone. So you want to be mad and cry your eyes out right now, you go for it. I will actually sit on this phone and I will, I'll let you do it. But at, you know, 1114, you're done. You have to change your drink and you have to change your scene and you have to walk out of that room and, and move past it so that you can be in the moment. You can feel what those feelings feel like, but you can step out of it afterwards. doesn't mean that you're not going to come back and feel it again, but there has to be a moment that you, that either like, you, you know, whether it's sorrow, anger or whatever, that passion that you feel has to be able to be felt to be able to move past it so that you can look past it and look back and be like, okay, that sucked, but I was able to come out of it. Because when you, when you aren't able to come out of it, that's when, that's when shit goes down. And like, that's when you, you know, things become a problem. So whether it's, like I said, the good, the bad, or the ugly, you know, something really bad or something really good has happened, acknowledging that it's happened and then moving on is, is vital in my life. That's something I try to live by. Well, that's going to be, if somebody's actually literally listening to that, that's going to help them out a lot because that's, uh, it's going to help people with relationship building and like sustaining those for years. Like that is something I've thought a lot about, like how, how does one make a connection that lasts like a decade? Not that every connection needs to, but how does one kind of build on the foundation of something that that creates those ride or die friends kind of thing. And one thing that kind of popped into my head was like how, when you're meeting somebody for the first time, how do you kind of like uh, read a person? Like what stands out to you? What's, what's the first impression that people kind of set when you're, when you're getting to know them? I, I, I'm an observer. I, I'm watching for energy. I'm watching for body movements. I'm watching for eye contact, but also identifying and understanding that, that that's not the same for everybody. So I'm an eye contact person. And when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to your eyes. And sometimes that's intimidating for someone who's not, 
you know, a lot of people can talk to you, but they, they talk and they kind of move and that's like their own insecurity. And if I'm following them with my eyes and trying to figure out where they're going, I'm just creeping them out. Like I'm doing that for my sake, but not for their sake. So I'm really sensitive to the fact that not everybody is as outgoing and as loud and, and in your face as I am. I'm a very touchy, huggy person, uh, which now is hard because you go to do it and you're like, I just did that yesterday when I met Chelsea Handler and I was like, ah, it, uh, yeah. like you just don't know what to do. You know, and it, that's, that's the age that we're living in pre 2020. I would have hugged you if I didn't know you, you know that, I, you know, once, once you're in my circle, like it doesn't mean if you know somebody, but like, you know, I just think of L2, if you came in there and you were, you were a new person there, I, you were my friend instantly. I never met you and you're instantly my friend, but I'm, that's my, my personality with, but uh, a trick that I've taught myself over the years is I need to say, when I meet you for the first time, I need to say your name three times and then it's there. So if I say it and like in your case, I would say Chris or Christian, Chris, you know, trying, trying to find the spot and then it, whatever's stuck, then you're okay. Then if I see you, I'm going through that list to be like, Oh, okay. I met you here and I did this and you know, this is this. And for me, that works. A lot of people's writing it down, but mine is I have to orally say it three times and it usually stores in there somewhere. I have to go through the big Rolodex to find it. But, you know, usually there's a moment there where they're like, okay, yeah, I met you that. I have a weird detail thing. And I, it's like, I will remember the strangest, stupidest things. So like if you and I are having this conversation and you you give me a quote, I'm going to remember the, the basis of it, but I'm not going to remember the exact words. But I'm going to remember what you were wearing where we were and what we had been eating at the same time. Like those stupid little details, my mind seems to like that kind of stuff. You know, what color pen you're using as opposed to the specific words. That's just how I roll. That's cool. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. But like, <laughs> I am a lot to unpack, Chris, as you can tell. It was super cool because there, there's things that uh, people might be learning just now. Like people are learning if they are introverted or extroverted. People are learning um, that how they are isn't how everybody else is. I like that you brought up the eye contact because I'm kind of similar. Like I pay attention to if somebody's like looking at me when I'm talking to them because then I feel like more of a sense of connection. But then as I learn about all the different people that are in any setting that we could be, sometimes eye contact is really, really tough. But there's mm -hmm. a lot of like, amazing qualities about that person and then I have to have like the awareness to understand that just because I have a bias towards something doesn't mean that that is like how they exist in in this space and I'm going to miss out on a connection if I stay in my own echo chamber kind of thing and that translates to all kinds of industries whether it be like uh, restaurants that like to have like red brick and then they like to associate with other restaurants with the red brick kind of thing. Like they yeah. got to be open to like the outdoor patios too. Cause then they're going to learn some, some lessons of, of serving people in all weather scenarios kind of thing. Yeah. And I think we all do that. You know, you, you take, you take the good and, and the bad and, and the new, you know, that's a restaurants are a perfect example of that. You go to a patio, especially like, you know, I just think of like when, changes were coming with the pandemic it was like okay they're putting up plexiglass but look how they're putting up plexiglass well they're doing plexiglass and they're changing their tables this way well of course you're going to use something from that one in your own personal space because it makes you better that is exactly the same with people when i you know when i meet someone i had a weird example of this but i was at a show a couple of weeks ago and 
someone I knew was carrying around a red solo cup. I have no idea what was in it. Might have been water. But visually to me, I was like, that's like, is that a comfort thing? Is that like, you know, are you like me? I'm like, well, I can't hug with two hands if I've got a red solo cup in my hand. Visually seeing that and being like, well, I don't want to have that. I don't want to be that person that carries it. I'm not saying there was absolutely anything wrong with, with them or with what they had in their cup or whatever the case is. But it was a visual for me to be like, no, I, I don't want that. Absorbing those moments of, of someone else's movements for your own is no different than, you know, in, in any business. If you can take what someone else is doing, and sometimes it's great. Be like, man, I like that, you know, silly things, whatever it is. But like, I'm going to adjust that to my life. It's, it's observing uh, in, in a complimenting way. Like, you know, here, I'm going to, I like that you're doing that and I'm going to do this. That's awesome. When it comes down to touring with all of your artists that you've worked with, um, what is something that they do that makes a community want them to come back? Like, what is something, what is, what is the secret sauce? What is the thing that you see that gets them to come back? Respect. Respect, 100%. Don't piss anybody off. We're all there for the same thing. And, you know, I think that I've been so lucky. I, I'm not even going to say lucky. Lucky is not the right word. I've, it's... We are, we are all of the same mindset that when we're going to do a show, you go to do your show and stuff happens and gear doesn't work and, you know, you don't have the right, whatever, speakers, for example. We're all there for the common reality and the common reason to entertain. And, and I don't care if that's music or if that's sports or if that's movies or if that's fitness or competition or whatever the case is. We're all there for the same thing. Any of us that on, are on this side are there to provide an escape. We are, and a reason for people to come to us is to not worry about their own lives or, or in fitness is like, they're coming to you to be more like your life. You know, like you're the example. We're the same thing in, in entertainment or in music. People are coming for us for an experience and an escape. So what we happen and what we give them is, is a little bit of acting. It's here it is. Come and be with us and be in the moment. But if I, as a jerk backstage and being hard to deal with and, you know, being demanding, it's not Carmen Shoney that they remember as the asshole. It's Jess Moskowitz. She's the one that, they're not going to remember my name. They're not going to remember what my position is. But that band, her name associated it is now the bad one. Going through security at an airport. That's, that's, that's by the way, that's what we get paid for. We don't get paid for shows. We get paid for travel and for security. That's... That's what we could pay for. Going through security and there's an issue or there's something wrong with any band member. That security is not going to remember that band member, but they're going to remember Jess's name. So always remembering that your, your every move, everything you do on the road reflects you as a whole and not individually. What I do in Edmonton on my own time is my own thing. But when you're collectively together, you're representing you know, the good, again, the good and the bad. If, if someone has a great experience with me, they've had a great experience with Jess, you know? So it's, that's my number one thing is like, you know, don't piss anybody off and show respect. We may not have the same, same idea of what we view as a good show. We may not see a crowd as a good crowd. We may not have the same idea of that, but if we're both on the same page of getting to the end result together, people are going to want to have you back. That's cool. Like, just, it's so, like, on the surface level, a person's like, of course, respect people. But when you break it down, 
then a person gets to understand how much of an impact their every action makes and not in like an obsessive way, but in a just like pay attention way, like pay attention to um, how you carry yourself when you're walking through the mall or um, the tone that you're using when you're talking to a stranger that you don't know anything about or the things that you say and how other people could receive it in comparison to how you might have received it if you were saying it to yourself. So it's just lots lots of value in that that hopefully people hear. Um, to kind of keep us on track with time, there are two questions that I often ask my guests. And I'm, I'm taking it old school for one of them. This one I asked for the first like 100 episodes of the show and I think I kind of fell off track, but I'll ask it again. And it is, if you were to give one piece of advice to someone on how to live their life to the fullest in the most authentic way, what would that piece of advice be? Well, I learned a very valuable lesson from a wonderful man named William Shatner. And he says, never say no to an opportunity. And that has stuck with me because you may not be able to do it. You may not be able to do every opportunity, but not saying no to it on your first, your, you know, your first glance allows you so much opportunity. Not even the one presented to you, but way bigger from there. So that's my advice is never say no to an opportunity, even if you can't do it. Smart. And then the next question is, and this is basically putting you on the spot to put out a challenge to my audience. And so you're going to say your challenge for the day is, but I want it to be kind of unique to you, sort of like on brand with your personality, your experiences, something that you genuinely think that if a person actually literally does it, it's going to be a game changer. So basically all you have to do is say your challenge for the day is and just put it out into the universe. My challenge for today is to give a compliment to a stranger. It can be the most random things. That shirt looks good on you. That's a great color. And females, if you can compliment another girl's eyebrows, that's a game changer for them. That's lifelong. It's the most uncommon places. It's when you're paying for your groceries and you compliment someone for scanning that fast. Today, I would like everybody to give one compliment to a stranger. Love that. And I'll share a story with you to kind of help people relate because it's it's been something that I've heard people challenge people on a lot, but I'm like, how, when's the last time a person actually follows through or when's the last person a person, when's the last time a person realizes the impact? And when I was like 14 years old, I went to uh, Sport Mart in Leduc and it was like my first time being in that store, first time going and getting like cool clothes. Before that, I was notorious for going to San. If, if yes. you're familiar with sand, yes. <laughs> I basically like my, my parents took me around and we did a tour of all the rurally located <laughs> sand stores as they were closing out and I got all the clothes from them. And I love that. They, they went out of business, so I had to find a new place and Sport Mart was it. So I was getting my first impression, checking out the shoes, looking at all the stuff. I'm wearing a green shirt from, I think it was Old Navy. And I had just got it, and I didn't know if I looked good or not, but uh, a female associate came up, and she was like, I really like your shirt. It matches your eyes. And, like, I wore that shirt, like, almost five days a week for the next, like, yes. year <laughs> because it yeah. made me feel like a, a million bucks. And I love that. just the momentum of that, like, uh, Sport Mart was bought by, like, the FGL group, so the Forzani group that owns Sport mm -hmm. Check. Um, I went and I worked for Sport Check because Sport Mart made me feel good. 
Um, so it's it uh, it can go a long way. And with that being said, I'm curious, when's the last time a stranger complimented you or just like something profound like like my example? This weekend, actually, I had a couple of really great moments. Um, but someone said they were on stage and, and they had their girlfriend side stage. And she said, you make this stage feel like home. She said, when you walk up on stage, you know, you're waiting for people to get you on stage and do that. She said, and I look over here and you were dancing on the side of the stage. She said, that changed the whole thing. She said, I can tell you that when we went back there, they said, this is going to be a good show. Carmen's running the stage. We're okay. And that for me is a huge compliment. I don't, you know, sometimes be like, well, is my job really that important? Like, you know, I'm making sure everyone gets on and off on time. But to know that someone saw me in my element, which was being goofy and silly and dancing to salt and pepper on the side of the stage and saw that as a comforting thing, changed the rest of my weekend. I was like, oh, okay, well, I won't hide that anymore. And, you know, I'll just, I'll just be that. That, that was, that was pretty cool for me. Anytime someone acknowledges my realness and me not you know, me and my element, <clears throat> that's, you, you couldn't give me a bigger compliment than, than that. I like that. The way you phrase that, just acknowledging the realness, like more people need that opportunity to be acknowledged for their realness, their weirdness. Like the other day yeah. I was chatting with Dean about uh, somebody we know who we thought was a little bit weird. And I was like, dude, we're all weird. We're just different shades of weird. Like that's like a paraphrase, but it just like reiterates the importance to just assume everybody in your life is a little weird. And like yeah. love them for it kind of thing. Yeah. When I first started working out with, with Dean and Anthony, I was like, okay, I'm not normal. I can't come on a normal schedule. I can't do things. I, you know, I can't eat the way you want me to eat because I live on the road. And sometimes I get a meal at, at midnight and it's pizza. So I'm sorry. Like I would love to, but you know, I'm Ukrainian. I'm saving for the famine. That's what I tell myself about my, my hips. Uh, but you know, those things is like identifying that, we're all different and we, you know, whether it comes to training or music or, or, or likes, you know, <clears throat> pardon me, I think of Alison Krauss, who's like one of the greatest, beautiful country voices, plays the fiddle. She rolled into Folk Fest listening to Pandera. And I'm like, oh, I go, what, like, what, you're not, what are you doing? Like, this is, this is bizarre, you know, what are you talking about? But understanding that we're all different and that's what makes us cool, you know, and then also being able to see that what is our, our commonality? So like you're weird and I'm weird. So when we get together and talk about all the weirdness together, like, yeah, but I like that weird. Like, yeah, just, just being it. Don't, you know, stop hiding it. I've done that for a long time. I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of age. I've never talked about my age. I turned 40 last year and I couldn't, couldn't talk about it. I was not good with it. And everybody's like, own it. And I was like, I can't, I don't know how. And now I'm in the breath where I'm like, I've done a lot. I've done a lot in my time and it is a blessing and I am so fortunate to be here and to be able to talk about it and to have the stories I have both personally and professionally like that is to me like to be able to, to, to step back and be like no it's an honor it's an honor to be able to, to, to grow old and to you know have the age behind you and maybe I should start you know enjoy embracing that a little bit more I think that you know if more people take that attitude about everything, about the, the pains in their life and the trials and tribulations in their life and own it in the fact that it could make someone else feel better about it. We, we give ourselves a better community. That's true. Like 
there, there's going to be a lot to uh, sink in when people listen to this one. So hopefully that they check it out. Um, but with that being said, I'd like to thank you so much for, for being on the show. It's been awesome to hear your wisdom today. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.